Good day, Shabbos, dear friends. First of all, I'd like to apologize for sending out this uh, recording so late in the week. Uh, it's uh, been a fascinating sugi that I've been engrossed in, uh, trying to dig out some of the unbelievable gems that are hidden in Parsha's Bereshus. Probably the most difficult Parsha to choose to speak on because there's so many concepts, so many deep concepts, so many unbelievable thoughts to think about and to introspect on. A very powerful idea that we want to look at this week is the greatness of Adam. Man is made on the sixth day, and it says the, the sixth day is described as being Tov Me'od, is described as being, specifically as being Yom Hashishi. Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver in his drosha on Parshas Bereshis says, why is everything else described as being Tov? And on the sixth day, with Adam is created, is described as being Tov Me'od, because everything is good, means everything has a purpose. Everything has a certain function. Uh, I have a saw. What's a good saw? A saw, a good saw is a saw that can cut wood. That's a good saw. And what's a good chair? A good chair is something that can, that has, it's sturdy, it has strong legs, etc. But that's, it means it can do its function. But beyond function, there's a purpose. Purpose means a, a greater function, a function that transcends its own local little function and rather contributes to a bigger function, to a bigger idea, to a bigger vision. And so everything in the world has, has such a thing to it. It has w- what it does unto itself. And th- in that regard, it's tov, whether it be animals or the the great luminaries, uh, they are tov, they're good, they, they, do, they do their job, they do, what they do what they were created to do. But with the creation of Adam, it's mentioned tov me'od, because now everything became not good, but better, it means, says Rav Yitzhak is that it gained, everything now gained a greater purpose, everything gained a purpose beyond function, it has its physical, technical function, and it has a greater purpose for which that function is used. So the saw can be used towards um, I don't know, building, a, building a basic nessus. Uh, the chair can be used for davening to Hashem in it. That would be, th- that's, that's a tov me'od. That's the tov me'od that Adam brings to the table. The truth is that that's only one layer, because Adam himself was still yet unfinished. Because Adam himself, without the Torah, is still just, Adam is good, Adam can maybe even contemplate on his creator and think about it, but the true Adam only happens with the Kabbalah Torah, that's why it says, Yom HaShishi, like Rashi brings, the Chazal say, Yom HaShishi is to allude to the, the sixth day of Sivan, the day of the receiving of the Torah, where only then is the Tov Me'od of Adam really become Tov Me'od, because only with Adam, who has the Torah, does it really give a true, uh, uh, a transcendent function and purpose to everything. Which means now we have three levels. We have a level of, let's say, the cow. A cow is a good cow if it can make 
more, eat grass, make calves, uh, and and uh, do what it's supposed to do. Then that's tov. A cow that gives milk to Adam is tov ma'od. A cow that gives milk to Adam, who then uses that strength to daven to Hashem or to learn Torah, that would be another level of maybe a tov ma'od ma'od, like uh, we've spoken about before with uh, with Kalev saying, tova ha'aretz ma'od ma'od, the Eretz Yisrael is very, very good. Uh, and that's an extra level of good where everything gains an, an extra level of transcendence. So we have a transcendent, we have the physical functioning of the thing, we have a purpose for which it's done, and we have a we have an ultimate purpose which which is all these purposes are towards that's the Torah, that's Hashem fulfilling of the Hashem's rots. And that's that's uh Kaiser in the Drosha on Shabbos Bereshus. <laughs> Using this um, we we can now discuss a very fascinating topic that happens at the very end of the Parsha. In Parsha's Bereshia, it's hard to make it to the end. We figured we'd go there this year. And towards the very end of the Parsha, it says, Vayiru Bnei Elohim, and the sons of God um, saw the daughters of man. Now, we translate it over here, Elohim, as God, um, even though that itself is a point of, of Machloikis. Um, but we're 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 going with uh, with the second pirush that Rashi brings over here. So he so they saw the daughters of man, kitovos heina that they are good. I mean, the, the midrash explains that they're that they're beautiful, they're attractive. We'll see more soon, and they took from them for for wives. And whoever they chose, even if, even if they were already wives of other people. And Hashem was very upset about this. And then the next, the, the, this is Pasuk Beis and Gimel. And now Pasuk Dalit says, Hanifilim hayu ba'aretz, the fallen, either translated as the fallen ones or the giants, or perhaps both, we're going to see soon, were in the land. Ba'imimahim in those days, uh, because this is what happened when the Bnei Lokim um, were with the daughters of man, and they gave birth to the Giborim, to the mighty ones, which are forever have a reputation of, of power and might, etc. Okay. Um, The the comparison to the parallel to um, the Greek mythology to the demigods, um, sons of God or gods, um, taking for themselves beautiful women of ma- daughters of man. Um, taking forcefully, like like Hazal explained, even um, that no one could withstand against them. The Ramban brings uh, Midrash Barishas Rabbah 
that they that they were so mighty, so powerful, so big that uh, the the regular men could not, could not hold back from them even their own wives and their daughters and uh, they would take them by force and then the children that would be born from these from these unions were the giborim were the mighty warriors uh, who are very famous people so it literally sounds like a discussion of whether it be Zeus or or Apollo or one of these uh, you know uh, Greek demigods um, taking for themselves uh, women and uh, birthing from them uh, whether it be Hercules or one of these other heroes these famous heroes um, so it's going to be fascinating to take a look at the difference so, uh, of of how we saw the, the events, how we how the Torah records these events, versus how uh, it it came down uh, by the Goyim, the Greeks, the, the 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 Romans, the other the other cultures. So uh, again, so the Rashi brings either it means just bnei elokim means the sons of uh, of judges of of the rulers, or Rashi brings. And this is a, he's quoting a, a Chazal over here. Um, in a number of places, it's it's a it's a, a Gemara in Yuma, it's a Dvarim Rabbah that these were angels who also became involved in 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 these matters. Uh, so so the Dvarim Rabbah lists specifically two angels. Uh, not clear if maybe there were more angels involved, but but certainly these two are were named Uza and Azael, um, and that's the the midrash over there explains that that's sorry the the Gemara in Yuma and Daf Samach Zayin Amud Bey says that these two names of these two angels is combined together to make Azazel the one that on Yom Kippur that we send the one of the goes to Azazel, so the Gemara there says that it is being sent to atone for the for the mistakes for the sin of 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 these two angels. That the the exact language is that it's called this being sent to Azazel because it's mechaper that atones for the act. Of Uzzah and Azael, these these two fallen angels. Um, so that's so that's the that's the whether it be that or or the um, uh, the Ramban postulates before he brings the, this, these words of Hazal. The Ramban says that perhaps these were giant, super powerful men who were from the early generations, the sons of Adam. That because they were uh, sons of Adam or, or grandsons of Adam, they were they were so much more powerful than the f- than the future generations, and therefore they were able to, they were almost like uh, demigods in relation to these uh, ordinary men. But then he brings the the, the the midrash and he says that this is this is uh, even more true. This the the, pshat, uh, the explanation of the midrash of the drush uh, that the midrash and the gemara Numa brings is even more so, is even more true. And that's very much nachon, but it has to be understood properly. So, we have this uh, explanation brought 
by the by, uh, quoted by the Ramban, quoted by the Rashi, um, from the. That uh, that that these were angels who took for themselves these these women. So in that regard, it's similar. However, we see that the continuation is that this was very negative in Hashem's eyes. That's, that's number one. There's, there's nothing positive over here. But more importantly, I want to show you an unbelievable Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer. The Midrash over here brings Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, also going with the same approach that these were angels, but. It says actually that it wasn't the angels who initiated, but rather it was the daughters of man. And the daughters of man here are identified as being the daughters of Cain, specifically Cain, the one who had sinned and fallen himself. So the daughters of Cain, says, would walk around promiscuous, um, very much revealing their um, beauty and uh, dressed as harlots, and uh, to the point that the, 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 the angels were drawn to it, and fell, fell so much that they went from being the equivalent of fiery beings to becoming uh, flesh and blood, and indeed, of course, they were um, giants, they were super powerful, um, but uh, but this was the, this was a, called a, a tremendous fall for the for the angels, and that's why they're called nephilim. That's why they're called the fallen ones, because they fell from a status of being angels to being um, to, to being flesh. And then the the Radal explains that the, the, their children after them were already not even called angels anymore. Now their children were just called Giborim. And that's what the Midrash, Pirkei Rebbe Lezer over here goes on to compare. It says that, uh, truth is, it's a little bit of a Girsa issue over here, but basically all the Meforshim understand that the Midrash means to say like this, that the, there are two um, groups that are called Bnei, Elo, Bnei, Elo, Bnei Elokim, sons of God. And that's Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, and the angels. The difference is that the angels are only called Bnei, Elo, Bnei Elohim when they're Bimkomam, when they're up in the heavens, when they, or when we're referring to them having come from heavens. When they're in their perfect state, then they're called Bnei Elohim. But already you see that once they're down here, once they're on earth, once they're having children, they're not continued to be called Bnei Elohim, but rather they are now called just Giborim, they're just called powerful people. Whereas Bnei Yisrael are Bonim Atem Lashem Elokeichem, your sons to Hashem always everywhere, even Jewish people who are not living as righteously as they should be, are still called Bonim Lashem. That's that's what the Midrash juxtaposes over here. So the point that we wanted to bring out is to take a look at. What happens? Who is a true? Who is truly the Bnei Elohim? Is it angels or is it man? So we're seeing over here that angels are called Bnei Elohim is what will be called Bemikra. a happenstance. Means to say, as long as they're over there, as long as they are in the heavens, so they're perfect. But if they'll end up being down here, 
So perfect means that they're really great, they're, they're really tremendously powerful spiritual creatures, and to the point that they can even be viewed as being Bnei Elohim, as being uh, a certain expression of divinity. But as soon as they leave that territory, then they get intertangled, intertwined in the physical to the point that they lose that name. So that name is a name that they have because of where they are, but not in a fundamental way like the Jewish people have it, where we are called Bnei Lukim, no matter what, no matter where, no matter how long, thousands of years of exile, we're still called Bnei Lukim. And that's, and that's because our definition of being Bnei Lukim is not due to our place. Even in Golos are called Bnei Lukim, says, says the Radal, because our connection to Hashem is exactly through the challenge, through the difficulty. Man rises up out of physicality towards the heavens, whereas these angels did exactly the opposite. They went from the heavens down towards uh, towards physicality and that's that's the unbelievable that's the unbelievable takeaway that we can have over here is there's been raging a disagreement between the nations of the world and the Jewish people that the Greeks and the others believed that angels are greater than man and so a mixing of the two would be a demigod would be uh, obviously for them what they would call gods plural very very directly would translate what we would call angels. So, what happens when those gods, whether it be just just the two that are mentioned in the in the Gemara and in the Midrash, as uh, as uh, Uza and Azael, or maybe there was more. These are just the two kind of um, prime examples. But either way, that w- that. They are so great, they're so powerful, so when, when they mix with, uh, with human women, so then the result is, is a super being, is, a, is a, not as great as the uh, angels themselves, but, uh, but, but a superhuman. And it's because the, the, these gods, these angels chose to do this. Our view is exactly the opposite. Our view is that, number one, the angels didn't even have free will. It is the free will of man, the daughters of Cain, who seduced them to their fall. means, again, we're seeing man as being the central player, as being the one drive, the, the driving force behind everything. It's not the angels who chose to go and pursue the women, uh, the, the, the beautiful women, of, uh, of humanity, it's the um, promiscuous women or the descendants of Cain who went and seduced the angels. And therefore, when the angels fall and, and, and the angels cohabitate with them, the result is not something greater, but it's something lesser. Because humans are truly supposed to be greater than angels. And this less, these lesser beings, they were very powerful physically, but they were lesser. They're not the tzaddikim that man was meant to be. In fact, they were the ones 
that brought the world towards the mabul, towards the destruction, they were they were the opposite of the tzaddikim of the bnei yisrael, those that that ascend up out of physicality. That's that's the powerful lesson that we can that we can learn how great man is. The, we using our free will, using our Bahira, we are greater than angels. If man misbehaves, like we know, Chazal say that with all the promiscuity and everything that was happening, which was very much being driven by these daughters of Cain, who then got these angels to do what they did, and then there was the Giborim and, and, and all the Hamas and all the promiscuity that was happening that ultimately, that even we, we're well familiar with the Midrash, the Rashi brings, that all the animals had to be destroyed, that became perverted as a result of man, that even the animals perverted their ways, and even the earth, as, as far as the tefach down, had to be washed away and destroyed. But even the angels were drawn down by man. Man is the central figure of the entire Mysebracious. Everything ties back to man. Everything comes back to man. Man's consciousness. Man's avoda. Our, and, and by man, we know, we always say, the Gemur Nivomas, the Darshan is a Pasuk from Novi, Adam Atem, Atem Karim Adam Volo Umusa Olam. The true man is the man that accepts the Torah, that serves Hashem, means Bnei Yisrael. So the centrality of man in the Maise Bereshis is so much that Everything rides in us like, like the Rashi brings in this Parsha, whether uh, when man is first created right away, the command is, you should rule over them, Rashi says, but that also carries a connotation of, Yardu, you'll descend, means if we are righteous, then we'll rule over everything. And if we are evil, if we're not meritorious, then we will descend down, to the bottom and drag everything down with us. That's the eye-opening midrash of Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer, is that it's not the angels who are the driving force. It's not the it's not the dem it's not the demigods. It's not Zeus and uh, whoever else was uh, the sitting up there in that um, Mount Olympus, uh, who are deciding which way things are going to go, deciding. Um, to take themselves an extra woman, an extra wife. No, it's the other way around. It's the actions of man that drove even the angels crazy, that drove them to do what they did to the fall that they had. We have to remember, angels are not Bali Bahira. They don't have free will. They are responsive creatures. They respond to our behavior, to our actions. And angels, as powerful and mighty and awesome as they are, just like everything else in the Bria, are not the central player, the central player, like the Derech Hashem says, in Chelek Aleph, Perek Beis, Os Hei, that the Bria HaIkaris Ba'emes, the, the central player of the entire creation, is, is the Adam, and everything else, whether it be below him or even above him, like the angels, are all, there for him, around him, encircling him, and reactive to him. We have to view ourselves as a central figure in the entire creation. Everything depends 
on my avodas Hashem, we have to realize we're the most powerful creatures in the entire creation. We're the true Bnei Lukim. And with that power, we'll be Zoha to have the strength to overcome the Yitzhahara, the strength to serve Hashem with Simcha, with the recognition of how great it is what we're doing. May Hashem have a wonderful Shabbos.